So whatever, whenever we're given an opportunity to do something that is either right or legal, we should do what is right. And most things that are, are illegal, even if they're not morally wrong, like, um, like weed, right? Here in mm-hmm. Colorado and it's coming on, coming on, uh, across the country. Some body of lawmakers have said, you know, that's too dangerous for people to be able to do. So we don't want them to do that. We're going to make it illegal. And so that's where, you know, let them do it. If you think that's dangerous, well, let's, let's live dangerously. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray of Truth, the beautiful Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Hey, guys. Hi, Johnny. How you doing? Really great. I'm having a really good morning, actually, so doing a good time. Doing a good time. That's what I do. You're doing a good time? Yeah. You're, you're having a good time. I'm doing it. No, I make it happen. I've never heard you, like, complain. Like, I'm doing I'm having a horrible day. It never happens with you for some reason. I have no idea why. It's I choose my attitude, man. I really do. Uh, okay. Well, this morning has been kind of like meh for me. I don't I, I don't know. Well, you came to the right place because I got you, bro. I know. Yeah, so you're going <laughs> to lighten up my mood, right? I was going to try to use something about your last name, but didn't. I wasn't going to go there. Yeah, you light up my life. You could say that, but that's a little ridiculous. That's yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that. But no, no. I, I just I'm not feeling it. You know, this morning I haven't ha- had like tons of coffee, but it's still like eh, whatever. Oh, but, you got this. Yeah, well, well, you're going to have a good time on this show. So I am. I'm going to try. I'm going to get your positive attitude in my. Hopefully, you can send your positive vibes my way. But anyways, this is Johnny Rocket and Raylene Lightheart here at Blast Off, and thank you guys so much for listening to the show. And uh, Raylene, we have a very special guest, and uh, is a, is a guy. That we should have had on quite a long time ago. I mean, since the inception of when we first started the show, I think this guy is really great. And uh, he is also part of Launchpad Media. This is why I'm excited about the guest, because he is a contributor to the Launchpad Media Network. So uh, are you ready for our guest? Yes, I am. Okay, so DK Williams is a lawyer, and he attended the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill on a prestigious Moorhead scholarship, where he learned his undergraduate degree in economics in 1989. He stayed in Chapel Hill to attend law school, where he obtained his Juris Doctor with honors in 1992. His first year out of law school, he clerked for a federal magistrate judge in the Eastern District of North Carolina. He then worked as an associate for insurance defense firms, successfully defending the insured in multiple jury trials. While still in North Carolina, he represented those charged with criminal violations both in state and federal court. He also successfully argued a death penalty case before the North Carolina Supreme Court in 1999. DK moved to Colorado in 2002, where he spent two years working for a large personal injury firm before starting his own small firm. From 2008 to 2011, DK served as a legislative director and then state chairman of the Libertarian Party of Colorado. He ran for the Colorado Attorney General in 2014 and received over 120,000 votes or 6.2% of the vote. Raylene, prepare for liftoff. Copy that, Johnny. Covers tie-downs and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold beer. Double check. In the morning. Thrusters are hot, Raylene. Are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's bust off with DK Williams. 
Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I'm really not all that special. <laughs> your, little, your little bios seems to say otherwise, sir. But man, whoever wrote that's full of himself. Uh, I don't know. I got it from the horse's mouth. I don't know. Just saying. Uh, dude, thank you so much for being here. You know what? I think one of the topics that I'm not very comfortable with talking about is the law. Because I'm not a lawyer. I know, like, some basic stuff. Uh, but I think it's important that we actually had a lawyer on the show who can actually maybe talk about stuff intelligently in regards to the court systems, how that affects the Constitution, where's the Constitution come in, all these questions that I think a lot of people would enjoy hearing and learning about. The first thing, let's just start off like we don't know about law or the court systems or any of it. What is the law? What is its power given to the state and federal courts? And how are the court systems structured? How does that all kind of come together. So, I mean, I know states have laws, federal Supreme Court. How does this all kind of work together, DK? Oh, man, there's a lot going on there. I mean, yeah. I'll try to hit a couple of the highlights and then we can fill it in um, as we go along. Fill it in as we go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, the federal government obviously was started um, with the U.S. Constitution. Before that, you, we just had the state governments, the state court systems. And before that, since all of our founder or the majority of our founders came from an English traditional common law um, background. That's where our law started. They brought it over here. They had the states. We know the whole revolution thing. And then we had, for better or for worse, they got together and formed the Constitution. And the Constitution was supposed to be limited to, to very few things that the federal government could do. And one thing I see, especially with a lot of kids, they, people don't even get the concept, adults too, that each of the original states was its own country. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that was the idea behind the whole Constitution and the Articles of Confederation before that for a short period of time. And that's how we are supposed to work. I mean, Colorado is supposed to be its own sovereign country. Right. And Washington, D.C. or Washington and uh, Virginia, whatever. And the federal government was supposed to just provide things that would be – well, the idea is that things like national defense – and diplomacy with other countries, trade agreements with other countries, that that would be better done as a group of countries that got together and agreed. Right. Um, but other than a few, well, there's about 18 things, depending on how you count them. In Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, that's what the federal government was given authority to do. Everything else was left to the states. Mm -hmm. And that has been bastardized since the turn of the century that well the 19 in the early 1900s through the new deal and it's just gotten worse where those enumerated powers have been interpreted by the supreme court to basically allow the federal government to do almost anything it wants to do so they're no longer limited as they were intended to be there's a start for you it's kind of like it seems now that the states are become like counties in the big system yes. you know what i mean it's not you know it's like it's not its own little sovereign country it's like it's a county of the United States, not a state in itself. Absolutely right. And the way I describe that is, and I've said this many times, is that like Colorado, it's supposed to be its own country, not a political subdivision mm -hmm. of the federal government. Mm -hmm. And like, because most of Europe, like France and uh, other countries, have got their larger country divided up, but they're in, they're divided up to be smaller parts of the federal government. That's not how we're supposed to be, but it is how we have become, yes. Right on. Mm. Largely. Well, so what sources would you recommend for those wanting to know about the law and their rights if they're new to liberty? Like things like interacting with the police, protecting their children, property rights. I mean, what kind of sources would you tell people to research to find out what their rights are? 
One thing that I show to a lot of kids, there's this, I think it's about a 30 minute video and it's on YouTube and it's by this organization called Flex Your Rights. And there's one in particular that talks to people about interacting with police and what their rights are and what they should do and what they shouldn't do. And that's an excellent one. And, um, yeah, and I show that to, to kids in middle school and high school also. And then, you know, there are lots of works by like, like Tom Woods and Kevin Gutzman. Uh, they've got good things about, um, how things are supposed to be as well. So I'll check in those places. I'll, in, in the regular places, uh, fee. Dot org, the Foundation for Economic Education, great place to go, reason.com, mm-hmm. good places to go as well to, to get a start. How important is it for people to understand the law in the way that you work within that frame for the regular average person? How important it is for them to understand the law? Well, to me, the law is a subset or even uh, uh, synonymous with philosophy um, because the government is going to be based on a philosophy. Whatever your philosophy is and you form a government or contribute to a government, it's going to be based upon what your philosophy is. So that's why Plato and uh, Socrates and Kant, Nietzsche, all those guys are important because they talk about government a lot. And mm-hmm. even when they don't, right. they're talking about philosophy that applies to government. And that's what our, our founders uh, knew about those guys, Locke and um, the Wealth of Nations, uh, Adam Smith, all, they knew all about all those guys. And what, and because philosophy is about human nature, mostly. Right. What, how do humans act? What are they, what's best for humans? What's best for all humans? What's best for the individual? Mm-hmm. So it's important to have those, those foundational, uh, that foundational understanding, I think. And then you can understand what the government's supposed to do based on whatever philosophy you think is applicable. And uh, with without that basic uh, foundation, you're just kind of going along by the seat of your pants, which I think most politicians do. Mm-hmm. And they go, hmm, is it a good idea to have red light cameras? Is it a good idea to uh, uh, legalize marijuana? They just look at each thing on a case-by-case basis without any underlying principle behind it. Here's the thing. I've heard this statement before, and people have said this on TV and like that. They go, ignorance of the law is no excuse. I, I think that's kind of a statement I, I i think like like you don't know what the laws are and like you can go to like virginia and it could be like you can't like wash your pig outside on sundays or all like that right? right but then like to me it's like there should be like kind of this fundamental understanding don't hurt people don't take their stuff right the libertarian you know title for everything i mean you can apply to just about anything to me it's like if you're not hurting anyone's life liberty or property you should be good to go Right. So like, what do you think about that statement? Ignorance of the law is no excuse. It sounds like some wrote that and he was just like, yeah, that sounds right. Because we have some laws in this state and we're going to throw your ass in jail because you jaywalked. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, (laughs) what what do you think, man? I I will divide that that uh, that that statement about ignorance of laws, no excuse into two parts. One's the practical part of it and one is the philosophical part of it. As a philosophical part, you're absolutely right. Um, and you talked about the don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. That's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Right? And if that philosophy is driving everything that you think the government should be, everything works out a lot better in, right. in my opinion and, you know, in our opinion. But the part about the practical aspect of that statement, ignorance of law is no excuse, is that the government is going to punish you or use its authority, use its force, use its violence right. against you, whether or not you know what the law is. So that's the practical, that's the practical part of that. Right. And to me, a great example of that is, is and he may have known, I don't know, but uh, Plaxico Burris, the football player, um, I mean, it's probably been almost 10 years ago now, but he had a gun that was legal out of New York, but he brought it to New York 
against New York's law. And he got caught because he accidentally shot himself in the leg. Right. Wow. If you guys remember this. And he ended up going to jail for like, I think two years what? for, for, um, possession of a firearm that was not legal in the state of New York. And so whether or not he knew what the law was, the government was going to punish him, use its violence and force to put him in a cage, regardless of whether or not he knew it. So that's the practical side of it. Right. Uh, that's what it means in that regard. But, um, but you know, it, it, it as a philosophical matter, yeah, it should matter. Um, but that's the entire point of the 80,000 laws we've got or whatever it is. The, the <laughs> 80 the million 80, of them. Yeah. yeah. Right. The volumes and the, the libraries of law books. Right. Because when the state wants to get you in trouble for something, they'll find it. They'll find something you did. Right. Yeah. It's like Atlas Shrugged. Exactly. Yes, exactly. DK, yeah. really quick. Uh, you know, I just really want a picture of you behind all those books. That'd be cool. Uh, like for like, a right. cover photo, <laughs> you know, like this is all the. At the read or research, you know, no, I don't know. No, no, just, nobody's read it. Not even the Supreme Court justices have read all that. Well, apparently, can't. yeah, they can't. can't. Exactly. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How come we can't hold them to that standard? How come, <laughs> like, how come you're ignorant of the law, <laughs> Supreme Court justice? I mean, come on. Oh man, that's great. Well, so DK, you've made a promise to your listeners on the law that before commenting on a case, that you'll read it in its oh, yeah. entirety, right? And and which is. A, quite a lofty promise, by the way, and you are holding to it. So I'm, I just love your show. I think it's fantastic. People are are looking for this um, rock solid, not just philosophy, but understanding the law and and how the philosophy matters with that. So how long does it take you to read these cases, and how much work are you putting into it total just to be able to talk about it? Well, thank you very much for that, and I appreciate uh, the Launchpad Media opportunity because you guys came to me and asked me to do this. And I'm like, I-, I would love to do that. And so you guys provided that platform and that opportunity. Hell yeah. So, Hell yeah, so dude. thank you. It's an honor to and, have you. Um, I, well, I, it's a mutually beneficial exchange then. So that's great. That's, that's right. <laughs> so yes, yeah, the law with DK Williams on the Launchpad Media Network. And the whole thing about reading something before you comment on it, that's to me, it's just an obvious um, truism. But what you see it all the time on the news and uh, social media. And what really got me recently on this, well, I guess it's been, again, it's been years now. Time flies when you get old. But uh, when <laughs> Citizens United came out, mm-hmm. and still there are people that talk about Citizens United standing for the proposition that corporations have uh, in, ha- have rights like an individual. Well, mm-hmm. But they haven't read it. Oh, mm-hmm. and Roe, v- Roe versus Wade, that's another one. The, the, the one where the Supreme Court said um, ab- abortion was a right. There are so many people that have such strong, passionate views on that case, and right. they've never read it. To me, that's mm-hmm. absurd. If you haven't read it, you you don't know what you what it says. So how can you have a, a – you can have an opinion, but you can't have an educated opinion right. or a, an informed opinion about mm-hmm. it. Sure. So that makes sense. I always, you know, read, every, read it because uh, otherwise you're basing your opinion on what somebody else told you. Mm-hmm. And who do you trust enough to do that? Most right? definitely. Yeah. I mean, unless you've read it, you don't know what it actually says. Right. Um, and, I, and I go over Citizens United. That's one of the, one of the first ones I did, I think, um, and talk about what it really, sta- what it really says. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Roe versus Wade, I did that as well, to say what they really say. And as far as how long it takes, one of the things I look at when I'm deciding which case I'm going to do next is how many pages it is. <laughs> <laughs> the longer it's like yeah. eh, I ain't gonna do that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> um like that's why I haven't done Dred Scott yet, because it's over a hundred pages. But like the one I just did, Strife versus Utah, that's the one that just came out two years ago, where the Supreme Court said, even though you were stopped illegally, 
And there was no doubt. The state admitted in Utah, yep, we stopped this guy illegally. But then they found out eventually after the stop that he had some meth on him and some paraphernalia. And so mm-hmm. he was convicted for that. The U.S. Supreme Court said, well, that, that's okay in essence. Uh, yeah, I just, I just decision. read that. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the one I just did. And we and it – and I try to explain where the majority is coming from, and in this case, where the uh, the, the, the there were three dissenters, uh, Sotomayor, Kagan, and uh, RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and they had the correct analysis, and they, they had the libertarian position, and um, that the entire point of the Fourth Amendment is to protect individuals and to make. Well, they didn't say it this way, but in my view, and I say it on the on the podcast, the entire point of the Fourth Amendment is to make things harder for law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And so many people look at the Fourth Amendment as like, oh, my God, this thing's making it harder for us. How can we get rid of it? How can we hack away at it? How can we lower sure. the bar? That's, and that's, that's what they did. Yeah. 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 And that's what they did in this case. Right. Wow. Um, so and that one, that one wasn't that long. I think that one was like less than 20 pages. Um, but uh, I don't remember which one it was. But for some reason, I, I know one I did recently was 55 pages. So. Wow. And that's like – and all these things are online. That's the great thing about modern technology. Uh, you can oh, find any yes. case – and find the exact opinion of it on it and read it. Um, so that, so that, so that's, that's good. And, um, oh yeah. And this other, the site that I usually will link to in the notes is oyez.com. O-Y-E-Z. Oyez. Okay. And it has the audio of the arguments of all of these cases. I'm not sure how far back it goes, but it goes back years and years and years. Cool. The, yeah. And, and it's, and it's, so that's a great site to look to read at too. If you, if you wanted to, and they're all, always an hour because that's how much time both sides get total. Right. Um, so if you just want to spend an hour, if you listen to one of those, you would then, I, I would, I would say you're good enough to comment on the, on the final opinion. Very Perfect. cool. Or it would help anyway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it would so help. I have a, I have a question and this is like a, a misnomer because me and you had talked a couple of days ago and we were discussing some of these concepts of the law. Um, but a lot of people don't understand about the Bill of Rights and that it wasn't a, a thing where the actual individual in a state, um, uh, like for example, the right to bear arms, the second amendment, right? It yep. didn't mean that the, that the individual in itself had the right to bear arms. It was that the federal government couldn't overstep that. So the states could ban weapons if they wanted to, and the state could limit speech, could do any of those things, whatever. And that would be handled in the state constitution. But a lot of people just don't know that the intent of the constitution was the federal government couldn't take your guns, but the states could in theory. Now, do you have anything to say about that? Because I think this is an interesting point that most people just don't know. You know, what you said is correct, but, and I think the, the history of it though is, is important to understand the context of it. When, uh, Thomas Jefferson and Madison in Virginia and whoever these other guys were, Pinckney in South Carolina, whoever these guys were at the time, they weren't worried about their state infringing on their rights. They, mm-hmm. they weren't, they were like, Hey, we're here. We're, we're not going to let anything like that happen. We get it. We're the state. What we don't want is this new federal government we're creating to violate our rights. Um, and you know, we don't, we don't know what those guys from New York are going to do. You know, if you're mm-hmm. in Virginia, we don't know what these guys in, in Rhode Island are going to do. Right. right. And we don't want them to get enough authority to tell us what we have to do in regards to the exercise of our rights. So they, the, the, the constitution, the bill of rights did not apply to the states. Absolutely correct. Now each state had their own bill of rights. Right. And that's one reason like the guys in Virginia weren't worried about it because they had the Virginia bill of rights or the Virginia constitution. They just wanted to, they were afraid that this federal government was going to become too huge and start telling them what to do. And they were right. Rightly and that's so. what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They foresaw um, that 
Yeah, they did. Yeah, and and that you know, and, and I talk about some of that. Wickard v. Filburn is a great case to talk about that. That was a New Deal era case, um, and we can get into that. But let me stay in the Bill of Rights. Um, the Bill of Rights is misnamed, and I say this every now and then in, in the podcast. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give anybody any rights. It is if you read it, it it's easy to tell. Mm-hmm. For example, it says Congress shall make no law infringing upon right. you know whatever right. So it is. It, it assumes. We have these rights. We, we have the right to bear arms. We have the right to free speech, to assemble. All, it, that's just the underlying assumption. It doesn't say the people have the right to free speech. It says Congress shall make no law abridging the right to free speech, which right. assumes it already exists. The natural right. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's cool. Exactly. Yep, yep. So it, it should be called, in my opinion, it would be more accurate to call it the Bill of Government Restrictions. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's that's really cool. So I have two separate questions. I'm just going to homogenize them and you can go with it. I was going to say, what is an example most recently of a Supreme Court ruling that is an erosion of our liberty, which I think you might be discussing just, just a minute ago? And yeah. what recent Supreme Court case has been a move in the right direction for liberty? Oh, man, I have to think about that for a second. But but yeah, that, that Utah v. Strife one, which was in uh, six, came out in 216, and that was the five to three decision. And it, it, people might be, the, the, the quick out there might be going, that's only eight. Why is it five to three? Well, that was between the time Scalia died and um, uh, Gorsuch was nominated. So they only had eight at that point. Got it. And yeah, and, and we talked about it. And, and please listen to the podcast on it, uh, Utah v. Strife. And um, so that's the one that said, yeah, the government can use evidence they find on you after an illegal stop. Ridiculous. I mean, yeah, That's crazy. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, if I think of a, of a good one, I know there are some out there. Um, one that pops into my mind and it's not actually that good, but it's an example. It's one of the few examples of when the commerce clause power was uh, not used to expand the power of the federal government. And I think talking about it is, is interesting because you can see the absurdity of the government position in this particular case. Um, and this was in the past 20 years, I think 25 years, because the government uses the commerce clause power to basically do whatever it wants. Cause they say, well, we want to, um, tell you a farmer how much wheat they can grow, even if they don't sell it. Uh, that's the worker V Filburn case. Mm-hmm. And worker said, um, well, you guys can't tell me what to do because I'm growing this for myself. I'm not, I'm not selling it and it's not going across state lines. So it's neither interstate nor is it commerce. So how can you use the power? delegated to the Congress to regulate interstate commerce to tell me what to do when it's neither interstate nor commerce. Well, the Supreme Court said, oh, yeah, of course we can, because it affects interstate commerce. Oh, man. And yeah, yeah and it's, yeah, and even that is a, a stretch. But so now the, uh, the magic words are, does it affect interstate commerce? And think about your day. Everything that happens to you during your day affects your day. Everything. Right. It's like a butterfly effect, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Everything affects something else that, that you encounter. Right. So, and that's one of the, and so that's gone on to, to basically uh, erode all of the federal limitations on what the government, federal government should be able to do legitimately. The, the one case where Congress had passed this gun safety, the school zone safety federal sure. legislation mm-hmm. that said something effective, you can't have a gun within, I don't know what it was, a mile, 1500 feet, whatever it was, within a public school. And some people were like, wait a minute, what does that have to do with any of the enumerated powers, specifically the commerce clauses, which is what they were relying on? Mm-hmm. What? Are you kidding me? Right? Right. You know, even, even if you think that's an awesome idea, it doesn't mean it's legitimate. Right. right. And, I, sure. and, and far too many people do that also on social media and on TV and on the radio. They equate, I think this is a good idea with it being constitutional, or I think this is a bad idea, therefore it's unconstitutional. That's not how it works. 
right? Something yeah. can be an awesome idea, but still not be constitutional. Or something could be a horrible idea, like eminent domain, and still be constitutional. Right. So they're, they're separate arguments. People need to separate those two things. One's about policy, and one's about what the Constitution says. So the government actually argued that the keeping guns out of schools, you know, private, uh, I'm not private, but um, uh, state-run schools, locally-run schools, the federal government was going to tell them what they had to do and, and regulate them. Because if students are scared, this is the argument they actually made. Sure. If students are scared while they're in school, they won't learn as much, they won't be as productive, and they won't be able to contribute to the economy once they get out. Therefore, uh, <laughs> yeah, therefore, oh my God. this well, regulation about commerce. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Com- right, exactly. This is absolutely ridiculous. Really quick, before yeah. we go uh, on our first commercial break, I have a quick question. What was the Articles of Confederation, and did that form of government really fail? What, in your opinion, was the advantages of that system and what was the disadvantages? Because a lot of people here, I hear the Articles of Confederation were great. I've read the Constitution on the Articles of Confederation, and I thought it was a very anarchist kind of uh, structure for the union of the states. Yes. All right. Um, and let me just complete that gun thing. The Supreme Court rejected that argument. That's why I was bringing that up. That's oh, like okay. one of the few times the Supreme Court has said, no, that's ridiculous. You can't use the Commerce Clause on that grounds. That's just stupid. Thank God. Thank right, God. Right. So that's one of the few times. All right. Now, I am not an expert on the Articles of Confederation in you know, that time period uh, between July 4th, 1776 and when they officially adopted the, the Constitution. Right. But the general idea of it was that each state, again, was its own sovereign country. And there were a few things they wanted to be able to do together, and so they created the, a, a confederation. And the full name of it, I do know this, is it was um, uh, the, the Articles of Confederation and Perpetual Union. And people got to remember, union is meaning we're, we're getting together. It doesn't mean we're becoming one, right? It means, right. you know, like a marriage is a right. union of two people. They're still two people, but they're, they've agreed to come together. And so that was the idea behind the, the Articles of Confederation. There's a few things we want. We think will be better if we have like uh, a centralized government do a few things. Sure. Uh, but everything else we're going to do ourselves. Everything else we're going to do ourselves. And the major reason that it was rejected at the Constitutional Convention was because the federal government didn't have enough power. I mean, that, that, that's, that was the argument. And that's what won the day. And one of the biggest ones was under the Articles of Confederation, the federal government had no power to collect taxes. None. Hmm, they of could course. ask the states. Right? right. And you can imagine how well that, where that went. Yeah. That's awesome, um, though. I mean, like, screw the yeah. fed. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I think one of the problems from what I've read was that they couldn't pay off the war. That's correct. You yeah. know, so that like, okay, so we all have this money. So how are we going to pay this off? And no state was like, yeah, we'll give you money. No problem. Right. That didn't happen. Right. So interesting stuff. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket with Raylene Lightheart here at Blastoff. And we're talking to DK Williams. And if you enjoyed the show, please check out blastoffshow.com to hear more of our past episodes. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket. Always launching ideas. We'll be right back. Rock and roll. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> hey, Raylene, I'm going to head out and get some beer. Hey, what are oh, you guys like doing Ooh. in here alone? Oh, cute. What's, what's going on? What are you guys hiding? Come on, fess up. Well, we're just looking at my new calendar. It's a libertarian dad bods calendar. It is enlightening. Wait a minute. Did you just say a libertarian dad bods calendar? Really? I've actually never been so excited for July in my life. <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, come on. Natural rights, natural bodies, and all this liberty. 
everyone should be excited about this calendar. Wait a minute, why am I not in this thing? Don't be jealous, Johnny. Besides, you're a shoe in for next year. Yeah, hashtag Johnny Rocket Dad Bod 2020. Okay, girls, well, I better keep training. I might need some inspiration. Got you covered, Johnny. Don't worry. You can get your own at sclp.org forward slash store. That's sclp.org forward slash store to get your very own Libertarian Dad Bods calendar for 2019. Mr. DK Williams, DK, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. God, this is really cool because we're hearing so much not like you're speaking, but we're hearing stuff that most people just don't know, nor do they think about. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, man, and I, I think it's important that we have some fundamentals established here with you being on the show. Some basic stuff that people need to know about the law, and I thought, hey, why don't we get you on? And you're also here with our network at thelaunchpadmedia.com. And your show is called The Law. Absolutely. Check it out. Yeah, bam. Okay, so, DK, what we do here on the second segment, it's called Rocket Fire. Rocket what we do fire, on Rocket Fire, fire. sir, is I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related, and if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. DK, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? Let's do it. I'm ready. Question one. Under the Constitution, who has the sovereign authority to govern? It's still supposed to be the people. Uh, and we elect representatives to exercise that authority. Whether or not how that's working out is another issue. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Question two. Why did Jefferson call the American system a democratic republic? Is that true? Yeah, that's an accurate description of it because uh, the founders hated democracy um, mm-hmm. and, because of his, they, know, they understood history and they wrote about this. Democracy is a horrible idea because that means – if you have 50, uh, 50%, per- 50.1%, they can tell the other 49.9 what to do. And that mm-hmm. doesn't work, right? That doesn't work. So, uh, we elect representatives who are supposed to, uh, administer the, the state. And that state is supposed to be limited by the Constitution, which establishes a republic. Um, again, like the federal government is only supposed to have 17 or 18 things to do, depending on how you count them. Um, and beyond that, it's not legitimate. So, it's, it's democratic in that we vote for the people, but it's a republic in that the government is limited in what it can do. It's supposed to be. Bam. Question three. Is the consolidation of government functions the trend today, and when did that start? Oh, man. I, I, I don't see much of a consolidation. I, I see more of a splinter. I mean, you, you look at the federal cops. You know, you've, you've got the ATF, the DEA, the FBI. You've got a billion different organizations that have overlapping jurisdiction, or, or, or they should all be together. Um, and so I, I don't see a consolidation. I see a further splintering and growth of uh, little fiefdoms for politically connected people to, to control. Right on, man. Question four. What should someone do if they have evidence of a state or federal crime? It depends on what it is. I, cause there's a lot of things that are crimes that are nobody's business, right? Sure. Um, you know, if somebody's got a bag of weed in a state where it's not legal and it's illegal federally all over the place, I, you, you just, you act like, uh, Stevie Wonder, and you don't see anything. No, I mean, I, I mean, like the state and federal the state itself. itself. Yeah. Ah. Uh, oh man. Who do you contact? Is there a number right. like report these bitches? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's going to depend on what it is, and if you know, if it's something like a particular agency is doing uh, illegally, mm-hmm. I would probably not go to that agency. I would, you know, I would go somewhere else that might have the authority to uh, prosecute that agency. Um, yeah, it's really going to depend on what it is and who who it's against. Um, but if you know, like, if a 
street level police officer is doing something blatantly illegal, uh, yeah, go to you. You could go to the police uh, office there and uh, and let them know. And you know, don't don't ever give up original copies. Keep copies of of everything before you turn everything over, no matter what you do. Okay, that's good advice. Question <laughs> question five. Why do twelve people serve on a jury? What's the what's the number thing? Why twelve? Uh, that just goes back to English common law before we were even a, a, a state or a country. And um, in some places, a civil jury is less than that. You can agree to fewer than 12. Um, so that just goes back, just an arbitrary number that goes back to the kings and queens of, of England. Okay, so it's more traditional. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Question six. Are legal immigrants criminals in the eyes of the law? In the eyes of the law, yeah, they are um, because they're violating – they're not going through the proper procedure of being uh, allowed into the country. And I'm not an immigration law expert by any means, but my understanding is that is a pretty low-level offense even to the federal government if you're here illegally. I mean, I think the most they really want to do to you is send you back. I mean, they can, they can keep you in jail while they go through that process, but you're not going to get like a 10-year sentence because you're here illegally. All right, question seven. What are the different sources of law? We have the Constitution. What are the others, and what do they mean? Uh, common law is a big, big thing because of our English tradition. And the common law was basically the things that the the, the courts decided were going to be right and just or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that has evolved over hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and so that's, that's judge-made law is what that is. You know, okay. 500 years ago, uh, one shepherd got in an argument with another shepherd about whose sheep it was or whose sheep ate the other guy's crops or whatever. And there wasn't a law on that. So the judge basically made up a law and said, okay, this is what's just. Mm-hmm. And so that is just built on itself for, for centuries. And um, that's where we are. But you also have statutory law, which is what Congress does or your state level general assembly does. They can make a law and change common law at any time they want or modify it or repeal it. So you've got statutory law from assemblies and congresses. You've got the common law from history. And then you've got constitutional law, which is written down like a statute, but it's supposed to be the uh, uh, kind of like the backstop in a baseball field. You sure. can't do anything beyond that. That's the idea. Okay. So you can do all your statutes you want, but you can't go beyond that. Very That's cool. Constitution. Very cool. Question eight. Is it the main purpose of law to promote morality or to make money? <laughs> well, I would say that uh, there's ecclesiastical law, which is church law, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times they were they were the same thing hundreds and years ago, and even in some places in the world now. Um, so again, we talked about philosophy being an underlying uh, foundation for whatever government you want, and so some people do think morality is that underlying foundation. Some people think it's uh, justness and fairness, or justice and fairness should be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a million different philosophies that one could base a government on. Um, I think our constitution, I haven't really thought about how to best describe that, but I think it would probably be um, um, trying to keep order from people that would steal or take your stuff. Right. <laughs> That's, yeah. Sure. Uh, so libertarianism, I think, is the philosophy behind the original United States Constitution. It's not anymore. Uh, absolutely, it isn't. No one even right. thinks that way anymore. Question nine. Is the preservation of culture a good reason to limit immigration? Uh, again, that's a policy answer. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't. Just care. your opinion. I mean, your opinion. We're all immigrants, right? Unless your last name is Running Bear. We're, we're all immigrants um, uh, to this country. 
And, um, you know, to me, ideas and things that are good, the, the good ideas and the good traditions and the good customs will win out. And if that comes from another country, great. Uh, you know, it, it, it's either good or it's not, as sure. far as I'm concerned. All right. Question 10. Are executive orders presidential violations of the Constitution? Why are they treated as laws after being published in the Federal Register? Uh, all right. So this is a big area, obviously, with Obama is doing them and now Trump is doing them. Sure. There are certain certain legitimate authority that the executive branch has, the president and his cabinet and other agencies in the executive branch. There are certain legitimate authority that it has and a statute can't always or doesn't always deal with every provision um, of authority that the president has. So when when it's not clear in uh, a statute, the, the president has discretion and he can issue an executive order under how to use that uh, discretion. So there are legitimate executive orders. It's just a matter of whether or not the executive order is actually clarifying something he can do legitimately or if he's trying to override Congress, which is not legitimate. Bonus question. Is it constitutional to have a standing army like we have now? And what law or act authorizes it? Uh, yeah, the Constitution specifically allows for uh, a Navy and an army. I'm trying to remember exactly how it says uh, that. A Navy, you can have a, sta- you can have a well, a floating Navy. Right, uh, But right. you can't, it says that you can't have a standing army. And I'm wondering, how do they get by that? I, that is a good question. That is a good question. It's like one of the hundreds of other things that they ignore. Yeah, I know right? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, though, that's Rocket Fire. Give it up for DK Williams. Hey, nice job. Good job, dude. Anyways, Rocket here with Bradley Lightheart. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Rock and roll. is a children's media company for children's ages 0 through 7. Our stories teach the foundational principles that underlie libertarianism and relate them in a manner that even the youngest children can understand and enjoy. Little Libertarians was founded by attorney and libertarian activist Dory Goikman. We teach the basics of self-ownership, non-aggression, and property rights to babies, toddlers, and young kids. Use coupon code ROCKET, R-O-C-K-E-T, for 40% off of Little Libertarian products at www.littlelibertarians.com. Again, that's www.littlelibertarians.com. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. Ground control to Johnny Rocket. Well, all this talk about the law reminded me that we never updated Base 1 protocol to take into account laws in Arizona that you may not be aware of that could put the escape pod in jeopardy. Here are some of the more pertinent ones that I figured you should know. First off, it's illegal for donkeys to sleep in bathtubs. It's illegal to manufacture imitation cocaine, too. And it's also illegal to have more than two dildos in your house. Hunting camels is prohibited. And then in Mojave County, anyone caught stealing soap must wash themselves with it until it's all used up. In Nogales County, suspenders are prohibited. And then lastly, if you find yourself in Prescott County, remember that it's illegal to ride your horse up the steps of the county courthouse. These all seem like things that you may be likely to do, so consider yourself warned. Ignorance of the law is no excuse, Johnny. Well, a break in a rocks and a hot sun, I bought the law and a low one, I bought the law and a low one. Money cause I had none I bought the law and a low one I bought the law and a low one 
You know, you had to sit back for like 10 minutes. You're like, God damn it. I know you. I know how you so think. So many questions. I know There's you so do. So many questions. So I'm going to shut the <laughs> f- so you can ask DK Williams the next question. DK, thanks again for being here on the show. You are most welcome. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I love you, Johnny. Okay. So, DK, you have said before that freedom is, in quotes, freedom is dangerous, my friends. Live dangerously. Which yeah. I, I love that. Um, <laughs> That's all me, so, baby. Trademark that. <laughs> I will. Oh, okay. So, I... I was going to ask where we should start. Things like nullification, agorism, black gray markets. I mean, where do we, should we start to live that? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what your choices are in any given day. Um, and if you, because we have different choices that just present themselves to us and we have to make decisions about what we're going to do every day. Human action. Yeah, right. Exactly. So whatever, whenever we're given an opportunity to do something that is either right or legal, we should do what is right. And, and, and most things that are, that are supposed to be illegal are, are illegal, even if they're not morally wrong, like, um, like weed, right? Here in mm-hmm. Colorado and it's coming on, coming on, uh, across the country. Um, yeah. somebody, some body of lawmakers have said, you know, that's too dangerous for people to be able to do. So we don't want them to do that. We're going to make it illegal. And so that's where, you know, let them do it. If sure. If that, if you think that's dangerous, well, let's let's live dangerously. So that's where it comes from, and it applies to like economic stuff too, like minimum wage. Um, you know, people are the idea behind minimum wage is you know people are too dumb to be able to decide how much money they need and, and are willing mm-hmm. to work for. Sure. Therefore, we're going to mandate that they are either going to be unemployed or they're going to have to get this much legally. And the idea is, well, you know what? Let them have, let them have the freedom to decide how much they're going to make. And learn how to advocate for yourself. Stop infantilizing right. our freaking populace at this point. Nobody yes. is, they, everything comes down to nobody knows how to own themselves and what that means. Advocating for what you want, associating freely. You don't just take a job because someone's like, I'm going to pay you five cents an hour. And then you're like, I, okay. Yeah, like, I don't, yeah, right. right. You don't have to take it. That's freedom. Yeah, that is yeah. freedom. And you're right with the weed, the nullification. That's huge. Yes. You have the freedom to be an asshole and to be stupid. How's that? I mean, like, we can't have, you know, like, if people are stupid, you have the freedom to do it. I mean, like, you may not get the best deal. And face those consequences. Yes, exactly. You know, and again, here's the thing. DK, I was thinking about this the other day. We have all these regulations, rules, and laws, right? We do. But 
Most of the time, Congress doesn't approve it. This is some agency, some federal alphabet soup agency. They're creating these laws that are on the books, right? Yes. They, they have no authority to create laws. But yet, Not legitimate. Nope. Exactly. So why, how has this happened? Is there something that happened or some sort of act or something like that that has cr- given them this authority to create this legislation through all these alphabet soups or the federal government. I mean, it, it goes back to the Supreme Court allowing uh, this usurpation of power for the federal government. And a great example um, is the Federal Department of Education. There uh-huh. is nowhere in the in the Constitution anywhere that says education has got anything to do with the federal government. Yet here we have a Federal Department of Education um, with all of those administrative rules that you're talking about that right. exist. Uh-huh. Um, and the Supreme Court has has given it it's okay. And it's not just the Supreme Court because uh, the Congress had to approve it and the, the federal uh, – the, the executive branch had to say, yeah, we want this. So they're all together in expanding the power of the federal government. And so when those checks and balances don't work, they're just going to keep giving themselves more and more power. And that's why this whole idea of state nullification is so important because only the state has any incentive to fight back against federal power. Because, you know, if the Supreme Court's going to decide whether or not the, the Congress can uh, give the executive certain power, it's the federal court deciding what the federal system can do. Right. It's like letting the Nuggets call their own fouls against the Lakers, right? <laughs> they, mm-hmm. Every now and then, they might go, ah, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That was so obvious. That was on me. My bad. That, yeah, but they're really going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Yeah, I'm going I'm to okay. find myself for swearing too much. <laughs> How often, you know, that's not really a swear. I'll start like interpreting it differently. Like, yeah, you know, if I said the word or F word or whatever, maybe even the C word, yeah, I might nah. find that's obvious, you know, like I'll find myself for that. But, right, right. Damn. And all those other words, those are just minor offenses. I can get away with that. I'm not going to charge myself for those words. Oh my God, Johnny, you're so funny. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh though. my God, he's so funny. He 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 started bleeping the show, DK. I don't know if oh, you know that. Oh, yeah, make it a little it. more family friendly. Got it, got it, got it. So this will have a lot of bleeps. Yeah, this will be a big bleep, 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 bleep. Oh yeah, Johnny, here we go again. No, I, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like, yeah, of course you're right. I'm going to punish myself. Oh, boy. I, I'm going to give myself the maximum punishment. Okay, go ahead, Raylene. I'm sorry. Right. I'm just no, going okay. off on a tangent on that one. <laughs> you know, I get, feel passion. I love passion. Um, directing it into places like liberty and education outreach. That's what's important. Anyway, uh, DK, I think you are hilarious. You, well, thank you ma'am. entertain the <laughs> hell out of me. I I find you to be so charming. You're appro- you approach politics with humor and wit. Um, and cleverness, right? So has this helped or hindered your law career and how so? Uh, I think it's helped. I mean, people are drawn to people that they like, right? And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean everybody likes me. Nobody likes everybody or, you know, everybody yeah. like me. But, um, you know, you just got to be who you are. And people that are attracted to that or like that will will come around. So, you know, to the people that don't like it, Good. I don't want you around. Yeah. <laughs> no. There you have it. There you Jason have it. Stapleton, what did he just say? He goes, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's mm-hmm. good. I like to quote uh, 16 Candles when Farmer Ted at the party just goes, I- I'm at a loss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've, we've been having so much controversy going down. Recently, we've had the government shut down, all this stuff going on regarding the wall Trump is making, right? We had talked about it and I, I thought it was interesting what you had to say about it. But in a legal sense, you know, what's the responsibility of the wall? Is it a federal issue under the constitution? I'm talking just in constitutional terms, not my own personal belief. Right. And what is the federal government's role in regarding immigration and the wall and all that? Other- 
Right. Here's one of the times when people that, you know, are self-identified as conservatives and constitutional conservatives don't look at what the Constitution says about Mm -hmm. this, right? Mm -hmm. Because one of the enumerated powers for the federal government is naturalization. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm. the only thing that has anything to do with people coming into the country. And naturalization is whether or not who's going to be made a United States citizen, right? Mm -hmm. So the federal government has that enumerated power to decide who can be a citizen or not. Immigration is not listed among the 18 things. And this is where I hear so many of these, these people that, that, you know, pretend or give lip service to the Constitution, and they try to find somewhere in there and try to make it say something it doesn't. Well, that's what progressives do. And that's why statives and progressives <laughs> are, yes! are the yes! same thing. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So there's a provision for, for uh, uh, amending the Constitution. So if you think it's a good idea for the federal government to, to control immigration, there's a way to get that done. So do it legitimately through through an amendment process. Well, let's talk about the government shutdown. There are a lot of misnomers and misunderstandings about what that even entails. Can you please explain it for the listeners, how a government shutdown happens, why, and what it takes to get out of it, what will happen, et cetera? Oh, man. Again, this is not my expertise, but the way I understand it is Congress spends money it doesn't have. All, you know, that's the only way it's, it's operating. The federal okay. government is operating. Yeah. Yeah. And so every now and then the, the debt limit that you know, we're not allowed to borrow any more money happens and you know, they call it a debt ceiling. But whenever you get close to it, it moves. They move it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And to me, to me, you know, <laughs> if, if something moves every time you get close to it, that's a squirrel. It's not a ceiling. Right. Right. So, right. <laughs> Good so point. When, when they don't uh, change it for whatever reason, like now it's because Trump says, I'm not going to approve anything that doesn't have money for the border wall. And the Congress is now that the Democrats control the House. We're never going to give you that. So nothing changes. And so they can't borrow any more money. And so some people aren't supposed to go to work like the park rangers and, and whatever else there are. Um, and uh, of course, whenever it is resolved that they'll all get their back pay for not working. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's an absurd um, uh, system that we Breaded have. In that circus. Regard. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah, I wish it just kept itself shut down. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. And I, Great. Yeah, I put something on social media earlier today or yesterday that, you know, if this shutdown does last for a year or years, <laughs> like Trump said, people are going to realize they don't need it. That's and right. So, mm-hmm. That's <laughs> right. awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, that's that's exactly. great. Okay. I was reading about the 17th Amendment, and I thought it was kind of interesting because the 17th Amendment goes completely against what the intention of the founders thought regarding right. the popular vote of the senators. Now, what is your opinion on this? about having a popular vote for the senators versus the, legis- the state legislation voting in senators. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think a, a more indirect approach is better? Yeah, I, I, I do. And let's, let's go back to the original idea behind the Constitution when originally they were setting up Congress. Is you're going to have the House of Representatives, which the people got to vote for, for their representatives. Exactly. And, and that was so, and they, they knew that that was like going to be subject to political change. And, and because people's like plot, the idea of politics changes frequently. And so the, the Congress people in the House of Representatives were going to be elected every two years completely. So whatever the, the population, the whims of the population were, were going to be there. That, that was the entire point. They wanted okay. to hear from the people. So that's the House of Representatives. But then they wanted a more stable portion of Congress. And that was going to be the U.S. Senate, where every state got two people, and they were only elected every six years on one-third, one-third, a third. So you could never have 
too big of a change in in mm-hmm. in the Senate. You could the, at most you could have one third, which would probably never happen. But that's the most you could ever have. Whereas in the House of Representatives, you could have all of them swapped out every two years. And so they they it wasn't supposed to be a voice of the people in the Senate of the common man. That right. was the House of Representatives. And the idea was for the states to be able to control the federal government. And so if you're a U.S. senator and you're picked by the state legislator, legislature, right. um, you've got to answer to those guys. You've got to answer to the people at the state uh, general assembly. That makes sense. And if you're not keeping them happy, they're going to replace you. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if you're if you're the U.S. senator from a state and you go up there and you start voting for things to give the federal government more power, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get yanked by the by the General Assembly of right. your state because you're not you're not protecting the state's interest, right? Uh-huh. You're not protecting the legitimate separation of uh, of authority between the federal mm-hmm. government and the state. So that was a major way that states protected their uh, the, their authority under the Constitution. And once you did away with that buffer, now people are the, the Senate is more like the House of Representatives, where people can go. You know what? Hey, can the federal government do stuff for me? Awesome. Exactly. Let's do it. Exactly. Without any regard mm-hmm. to the constitutional structure and federalism of the, what the federal government is supposed to do, what the state government is supposed to do. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah and, and that made a big difference. It really did. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yep. So, um, being a libertarian lawyer is a really interesting thing because a lot of libertarian lawyers don't call themselves libertarian. They aren't out of the closet. <laughs> if, if you will. Right. Um, are there many libertarian lawyers at all? And is there yet an association or organization of like-minded legal liberty warriors? Yeah, that, I don't know if there is one. Um, there, there may be somewhere, but... Um, DK, I, start one right. of those. It's <laughs> yeah. time to yeah, have no. a club of people that we know who That's we can trust idea. or hire. I, a, I like it. I love it too. We should put it on our website. Let's do it on the launch pad. I seriously think you should start reaching out to um, libertarian yeah, cause there's, lawyers. Yeah, because I actually do know a few. And it would oh, be yeah. cool if you guys like all joined a, a club or something, you know, have like a little or something it, like you guys could be like the, <laughs> the masons and do like a secret handshake but that would be yeah. cool there you sh- go man yes, i mean like uh, i'm be, down yeah i mean imagine if you guys actually had a legal team and you start going after people who have been done wrong and you guys like go out there and try to do the right thing well there are some organizations like the institute of justice um yes tries to it, do that, exactly right? yeah but i mean i think it would be cool though if you guys actually started your own kind of thing too promoting and networking and exactly having, you know it's it's kind of cool. It would yeah, be cool. I like That'd it. be great. Awesome. Yeah. I like it. All right, man. DK taxation is theft, but could it be <laughs> possible to repeal the federal income tax? Could it be possible? And do you think it will ever happen? Uh, theoretically, it's possible. Sure. Um, I don't think it will happen in our lifetime. Let's put it that way. Okay. And why is that? Because uh, um, too many people like it. Too many. Too many people think they get stuff out of it. Um, you know, and, and too many people get benefits that they don't have to pay for. And largely it's, it's not, you know, other people in the U S right now paying for it. It's people that aren't born yet in 50, 100 years are gonna have to pay for this stuff. And of course, nobody's voting for them. Right. And so it's just, um, it's too easy for people to vote for stuff that they want when they don't have to pay for it. Wow. True. So DK, what is your origin story? about finding libertarianism how where did you come from how did you find it and you know when ah all right um i've always had the 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 idea somewhere unformed i think as far as long as i can remember about um um government being a 
tool. Another thing I've, I've recently started saying, government is not a tool of liberation. It is a tool of oppression. That's right. And I think far, far too many people in the social justice movement and all, and a bunch of other movements, the, the, um, socialists, they look to the government as a tool of liberation, which to me is just a, a complete non sequitur. That's a farce. If you look at history, government does not ever free. It oppresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can get people to, to grasp that, I, I hope that that helps. But that like nascent, unformed idea, I think has always been around. Um, and I think it was when I got to college, because I, I, def- I distinctly remember this, sitting in Henderson Street Bar in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, where I went to college as a freshman, at a, at a booth near the window. And some people I had just met had started to talk about um, the Fountainhead. Mm-hmm. And I yes. read it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what it was. And they were basically, it was some guys talking about, you know, how hot um, um, uh, Dominique must have been. Right. So that's right. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the main female in that, in that story. So, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And they're talking about the, uh, the book also. And so, so I, I need to read this book. I need to check this out. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I guess that was the path towards uh, libertarianism. Of course, a lot of people don't realize that um, Ayn Rand like hated libertarians. She did. Right? She hated uh, them, yeah, right? Like right. passionately, not yeah. like she just also a little bit. But synonymous with the libertarians that were actual socialists in the beginning. So there is some bad beef there from that. Too. Okay, yeah. yeah. And there's a there's a great uh, it's on YouTube because because Murray Rothbard, you know, he's a libertarian. Icon, oh, I, right? I oh, know. I know Rothbard. Yeah. I know yeah. Rothbard. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and Rothbard and Ayn Rand were friends. They were in the in the, like the same movement to start. Exactly. And then they yep. be- became estranged for various reasons. And Rothbard has got a little thing on YouTube, but there's a thing on YouTube of Rothbard talking about that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Actually, I think he's talking at a Libertarian Party National Convention. Yep. And it was uh, it, he he did a play actually. It was about uh, Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand on her. Uh, it was something about red. I can't remember the name of the play, but it was uh-huh. basically explaining how um, everyone uh, Rand's followers were cultish, and that's yeah. what did, right. you know. That's what like Rothbard hated about it, and he was just like, "Yeah, right. she's weird." And he kind of yeah. made a joke about it and wrote a play, and it was pretty. Right. It wasn't good. <laughs> it, what yeah. a hilarious pastime! He's like, "I know what I'm gonna do." I know I'm what I'm gonna write write a play about this. A play like what? <laughs> It's like I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a radio drama. I don't know. Ayn like. Rand, she's brilliant. She had yeah. she's a brilliant writer. She has amazing ideas. There's a yeah. lot of good stuff in objectivism. But Ayn Rand was also kind of a. She yeah. was like, she, like she was. the more you study and the more you know. And in real life, she was a, just a salty. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So and, just and, get past that and look at all of her awesome ideas and let's right. talk about that. And she's got great ideas, but there, she's not a deity. All of them aren't right. And I think that's where objectivists, sometimes they tend to treat her as a deity. Like if you question anything she ever did, you're kicked out of the objectivist. That's right. Out of here. You're it's, very, right. it's very cultish. <laughs> all right, right, Raylene, prepare for landing. Roger that, Johnny. Seatbelts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. Defragged and Lightning lights and guest websites. DK, give us your dot coms, brother. Check me out at bluecarp.net. That's where you'll find uh, links to the Launchpad Media, where my uh, podcasts are there. You'll find some other posts I put up there. I try to make fun and point to some of uh, popular culture stuff. Like one of my favorite things I, I wrote was about uh, why the Lorax was wrong. So you can <laughs> check it out there, bluecarp.net. Very cool. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and by the way, if you like the show, make sure to go to supportblastoff.com and subscribe and give us a dollar an episode to hear the after party and only two bucks a show for the all-nighter. Hell so, yeah. Hell yeah. And that's right. And if you want, again, if you want to hear the rest of DK, because we're going to interview him and we're going to put him on blast. So you wonderful people and listeners have 
asked DK some questions from my Facebook page because I just forgot to do it on the Blast Off page. But you guys have some questions, so we're going to answer, or DK is going to answer those questions on the after party. So anyways, this is Johnny Rocket, always launching ideas. See you later. Rock and roll. Bye.